1: Welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. No, this isn't Led Zeppelin playing. It's that new band, Greta Van Fleet. The rebirth of Zeppelin. The song here is Black Smoke Rising. And this is the... The read, the kind of the breakdown of the song, it's so good, it's so good. Been rocking out to this in the morning. The that's pretty good. That <laughs> yeah, sounds like Zeppelin, but a little modern. A uh, really, really good band. Uh, just picked up an uh, EP of theirs on vinyl, has the four songs on it, including this one. That's
0: that's like a Zeppelin CD that you find, and go, I, I. I knew everything. I didn't know. I didn't ever listen to this one. Right. Well, (laughs) it's after my
1: own heart. Like Zeppelin, Jimmy Page in particular, playing that guitar is my first true love, I think. It's like, man, I wish I could do that. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, back tonight to continue the conversation we started last night is uh, 84. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Joey. How are you doing this evening? Very well. I got, you know, workout in this morning. Got strong. I'm going to eat good tonight. Oh, a good workout this morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, not like that. Oh. Yeah. Solo workout? Yeah, just by myself. Okay. Yeah. What, what are you going to eat tonight? It's either between some sort of steak, but I'm leaning towards salmon on a plank. And what I like to do is take some Cajun crab dip. Yes. And put some on top of it before I put it in the oven. And I've tried it once before. And it was magnificent. It was really, really good.
0: That sounds like fine table fare right there.
1: And you know, I'm I'm enjoying going home. That moment when the dog comes, it's nothing like when you get home. and The dog greets you because he knows the sound of my car.
0: Oh, now. there he is. He knows man. the hum of my car, dude. And he just greets me right up front. Y- y- y'all, y'all, dog people, and and, and I love dogs. I, I really do. I've got two. No, actually, I've got three. I got a yard dog and two inside dogs. Yeah. I've had cats, had as many as four uh, dogs, and 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 that is great because a dog just loves you. can just shut the door and open the door right back up, and it's <laughs> like, like you've been oh, you're gone you're for back. a week.
1: <laughs> and you that know, tail starts <laughs> wagging.
0: You, you get that. However, there is, there is no sound, and I can still hear it if I shut my eyes like I'm doing right now. There's no sound like walking home and the front door's locked and hearing... Oh, the pitter-patter? When you hear one of your children running, when they, you know, they weigh about 10, 12 pounds. When you hear them, they're running because Daddy's home. Oh, that's awesome. And, dude, then you just, you grab them and you throw them. I would take my, I would take them... And honestly, I would throw them as high as I could in the air. I'd throw them 15 foot in the air. And the, and then they would just superman. I mean, they would, they would just sprawl out. Yeah. And then I would catch them and swing them between my legs and chunk them up again. That's the greatest sound in the world. And then when you get to my age, my oldest turned 20 this weekend. I don't hear any pitter-patters anymore no. when I come home. They're doing their own thing. She's like... Hey, Dad. She's preparing to leave the nest sooner or later. Oh, uh, she's out of the nest.
1: Yeah, pretty much. She ventures back, though, y'all. You know, food, right? Yeah. You know, we take care you of There you go. Uh, I would venture <laughs> back, too. And, you know, I, before we continue our conversation from last night, uh, I want to tell you about what I did Saturday. And I, just what did you do, young Joey, oh, on Saturday? gentleman named Eddie Bader. Eddie Bader. He's Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Because he actually, he went The real through, estate dude? Yeah, he went through Bo Goodson's real estate school. Like, he had been doing oh, a Bo few Goodson. things.
0: Yeah. Oh, Bo Goodson. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've heard of him.
1: And, and Eddie Bader... He's pretty ...was doing things on his own. Just, he was working another job, and he was kind of building up uh, properties and kind of running them out. And then he's like, I should go to real estate school. So he went through the Goodson Group. He, uh, he's now licensed, and uh, he's a real estate agent for the Goodson Group. And so he picked me up at 10... Saturday morning. Then he had a whole list of houses in the area. I'm in Cloverdale right now, and I like living in a house, but right now I'm renting. It costs money. In the house I'm in, honestly, the house I'm in, I would rent it, and I, I might continue to rent it, but I don't think so anymore, because I don't think I would buy that one, and after hanging out with Eddie for a few hours, I really want a house. like Own a house, because it would be cheaper than renting, and some of the properties out there it really is a buyer's market, buyer or seller's market, but really is a buyer's market, especially because downtown, some of those areas are being rejuvenated. Those neighborhoods are gaining value. Areas around Cloverdale, a lot of houses on the market, some gyms you can really find. Mm-hmm. So folks, if you're out there and you're thinking about buying or selling a house, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is the guy who can really help you out. He's already helping me out. He's giving me a thirst and actually, be what do they call it? The American Dream. I think well, it's more than the the American Dream is more than that, but that's part of it to own your own home. So Montgomery, Prattville, with Tumka, he was telling me about some really cool things going on in downtown with Tumka, cool properties there, Lake Jordan or Lake Martin. Anywhere here in the River Region, you can give Eddie Bader a call 322-0662. six two three two two zero six six two. I'm really looking at it as I could lower my rent payment possibly get a great long term investment with some of these historical homes. That's the
0: thing. Is you're investing because you have you have to also keep in mind that the payment you're going to be making yes. if even if it's more the interest comes off that's tax deductible yep. so that that helps you on that it end it just makes sense on some Plus, you're putting equity into something that you own instead of your landlord owns well and you're also, not paying his property tax you're right. not paying any exactly. his uh uh maintenance you're getting charged bills. for that for
1: rent yeah. yeah you're getting charged for that so and also oh, the number one in. thing that actually Put me off is my ignorance, and after going out and seeing several properties, different price levels, but all of them were pretty much in my price range. I was amazed at how it'd be cheaper than for me to rent. And he kind of walked me through some of the pre costs, like in home inspection and uh, these sort of things. So, if you're a first-time buyer, like I'm, very, very well, may be here soon. I'm thinking about. It. I really am. Uh, Or maybe you've done this before, and you just need somebody to help take care of the details. And instead of looking through all the online stuff yourself, a photo online or a photo on a piece of paper does not do a home justice. A few of these homes I looked at on paper went, what? We walked through them, saw the backyards, saw what people had done in terms of renovations inside. You have to go see it. And Eddie Bader with the Goods and Group is the guy who can set that up. So, again, give Eddie a call, 322-0662, 322-0662. Got the number saved in my phone because, well, I plan on going and looking again. I, again, I'm, I'm thirsty, and it's almost—I got this feeling that I might want to lay down roots. Because honestly, I've been in this weird limbo mode on the bubble. Like, do I want to try to jump? And because I'm born and raised in Montgomery. Especially after Mom died, there was this like weird taste in my mouth about the city, and it wasn't the people here. It's just like reminders of, of bad times, right? And also the, the George Bailey effect. I want to go see the world. I want to go do great things. These sort of, and I'm in my hometown still. Um, and but now I'm starting to see Montgomery's really
0: coming along.
1: So I'm laying down roots. Yeah, could be and a good you know plan.
0: you're kind of peeking over that age too, oh, where yeah. you're ready to say, hey. I got to decide what I'm going to do. Oh, with things am going gonna on. Am I going to stay here? Or am I just going to be a philanderer and just move around here and there? And... Well,
1: Montgomery can be a
0: great home base. Yeah, a actually... pretty good gig. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as bad as people make it out
1: to be. Right. I mean, if, if you like the city life, the big city life, fine. But. I mean, you know, I've got this weird aversion to crowds now, so maybe I won't, like, you know... Atlanta, the last time I visited there, I'm like, man, the traffic here is
0: horrible. I mean, it was miserable. We, we went horrible. there two weeks ago to our last volleyball tournament was the big regional tournament. And uh, I, I'd say miserable. It was not miserable. It actually was very nice. The hotel we stayed in, they had a shuttle service. They took us to the Georgia... But the, the the Georgia World Congressional hmm. Center—that is a big ass place, man. Oh, yeah, that Joker is huge. But they, you know, they would cart you in and out. But you, you either walk or had to get someone else to drive you everywhere you went. You were not in control of how (laughs) you transported yourself. I didn't like that. Here's the thing, though. Montgomery's not that far from a few big cities. Nashville,
1: Atlanta, Birmingham. Yeah, an hour and
0: 45 minutes to get to Atlanta. Even New
1: Orleans is a five-hour drive. It's not bad. hour and a half to get to Birmingham. Right. And the airports are now have more flights. I'm really thinking about laying down routes, And it kind of wants me... I want to bring it to what we were talking about last night. You asked me last night for you know, correct me if I'm wrong. That as an atheist, uh, where do I get my real, my moral sense from? Where right, that right. Sense what from?
0: what would be your underlying foundation yes. for your moral sense? And, and I can't yeah. remember what because. We talked a lot and off this is, mic. This is the issue with a lot of <laughs> these all questions
1: too. When you start talking about, oh, what's your moral sense? Where do you get your ethic and your ethical foundations from? It, you know, it trails off into metaphysics or cosmology. Like, right. what is, what's the, why is there anything at all? That question comes up. Questions of free will come up. It's a complicated issue. All these field so to speak of theology and philosophy sort of blend together
0: and, and that's before you get started that's why I want to make sure that I, I put that word in there the foundation yes because your foundation can change over time now how you were raised can be completely different than how you are now mm. as a 30 year old well and, 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 and I really if, was... if your ideas have changed yeah. what is your foundation right now as a 30 year old I'm not going to let you go back to, well, when I was 10 or 12, my mother taught me this because her foundation was in basically what I believe in. So if your belief has changed, or I mean, I'll let you do that, but if your belief has changed from what her foundation was in, if that's where you got it from, why do you still have the same foundation now? Does that make sense to you? Right. See yeah, what I'm saying? I
1: do. Um, no, I think my my perspective's uh, quite different than um, the people who raised me. And it's always... Okay. I mean not some of the basic things like you learn by example, people mimic each other. I think my, my general attitude towards people and sense of life without it being anything I could articulate does come from my parents and my grandparents, aunts and uncles. I had a very loving, caring family. I think that goes a very long way, giving me a solid base and what they taught me in Catholic school, a well developed conscience.
0: Okay. Um but Agree.
1: I think that that's the key there is is developed. But I wanna start with the most basic kind of fundamentals. I actually wrote something. Uh, back when I was trying to write songs and this was more like a poem philosophical thing. I looked at the stars above. They're nothing to me. And I guess that's something. That and immediately right there I'm saying that Oh, I don't care about that what difference is stars millions of light years away stars that might have already exploded what difference does that make it's nothing to me what difference does it make if millions of years from now our own sun dies and destroys the solar system what difference, what meaning does that have to me but being able to simply look to the stars above and say actually that is something I'm here, I'm looking at them what does it mean right there there's built in meaning that you are a witness to something. And I, the next line is, no man is wiser than me, not because I'm that brilliant, but because we're all fools in respect to one question. We want an answer or a reason why we're here to soon be gone. Okay, indeed. And why are our lives like a song kind of thrown to the wind? Um, and in that song, the answer I come up to or approach is I, it's sort of a lament. Why is it like a chronic case of crash and burn? We're here. You might accomplish great things, whether you become famous or rich or you have a great family. You find success in many ways. If you don't believe in something thereafter or you say you don't know, why does it mean anything? It's just, you know, life just goes on. It just goes on. There's one line I say, and it could be romantic love it could be love between parent and child then I saw your eyes and I forgot time I forgot that we die and I answer the question of a chronic case of crash and burn the truth behind our situation and our relation to everything between each other is one thing between like say looking at the stars again what does that star up there mean to me The stars above are ours to learn and name and figure out. And I think there's meaning built in from the get-go that you have, and you can't shake it. You have a choice that you exist. So what's your choice is going to be? And the most fundamental choice is, Are you? Ayn Rand put it this way, are you going to be a rational human being that strives for accomplishment, self-esteem, ...or a suicidal animal. Whether you're talking about you just go outright and do it... ...or you live your life... ...and there are other ways, I think, to commit suicide slowly. I've seen addicts in my life. I've seen drunkards. They're not happy people. There's only a few very happy drunks I've met. Those people do exist, too. Um, So I was listening to a debate. It was more of a conversation, a forum last night... I can't remember the woman on the panel's name. I didn't really like her. I, I wasn't, I didn't disagree with what she was saying, but she was just not, didn't blow my socks off. But the two guys on the panel that I really paid attention to one is, I think, William Lane Craig. He's a Catholic apologist and by that he advances arguments against atheism and against relativism and all these other things and he's very philosophical about it very uh, thorough and uh, meticulous about his arguments he he'll give you a metaphysical argument an ethical argument all of these he'll go by step by step and then the other guy on the panel was he's now recently popular and famous notorious to some Dr. Jorn Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist, researcher, professor as well. And William Lane Craig starts off by making the point, I think he quotes H.G. Wells in a very eloquent way, that I saw the future, and it was nothing. It was a quiet earth. No singing birds, no splashing fish in the waters, no... Insects in the night, and certainly no hustle and bustle of human beings talking or singing or dancing or carrying on. It was just dead silence. And that guy in H.G. Wells' novel comes back to the present after seeing that bleak, quiet, silent future. And he says, well, if that's what everything's going to end up as... If, to put it another way, if eventually this earth is just a, you know, ends in star heat death, a big red giant consumes the earth, what point is it now? If things are so fleeting, what's the point? And his point is that's why you need God. You have salvation. No, this, there isn't ever after. This continues beyond our mortal coils, this continues beyond our bodies and our perception, what we see. But then Jordan Peterson started talking. And he summed up, I've, when I read him and listen to him, there's stuff I disagree with, but there's a lot of parallel thinking. I mentioned earlier, our lives are like a song thrown to the wind. He said, now, say you're watching a symphony orchestra, or it could be like your favorite rock band. Mm-hmm. But he gave the example of a symphony orchestra. A whole crowd say at in an amphitheater watching an orchestra before And somebody comes up behind you as you're enthralled by it. Like, I open up this show with Mahler's Ninth. They're playing Mahler's Ninth, and you're enthralled by it. And this person walks up, taps you on the shoulder, and goes, Psst, you do know that the symphony's going to end. You do know it's meaningless, right? Because it's going to end. You would look at that person and go, What the hell are you talking about?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm listening to the song.
1: And yeah. Just because a song obviously. ends doesn't I know it ends. just because a song ends doesn't mean it's meaning it lacks meaning. And that's kind of my basis. Is that even though life is fleeting and we're all very scared of the prospect of well the ultimate one is death, the party's over eventually and uh well and that's why there are beliefs that obviously say no the party's not over, you either are embraced by the all-loving power that is God, or you might have the utter absence of God, which is hell, or you might be reincarnated and live this life again if you didn't reach a level of enlightenment, or you might reach Nirvana and you're one with everything. I'd, there's a lot of different points of view on what happens okay. after we. i to that after we die, uh, but then there's also if you bring it back into constraints. Peterson's point is. Don't search for meaning in life, and I completely agree with him, in terms that make no sense to human life. What does it matter? If you're trying to judge your life based on something that might happen millions of years from now or millions of years ago, you weren't there. You're not going to be there, in this form at least, and you weren't there millions of years ago. You're here for our best estimate is, you know, what's the average lifespan, 70-something years old? Here in the US. Yeah, and it could be longer based on certain advancements. I I think close enough. Right. And so, given that's what a human life is, and you have a a spring and you have a a summer and a fall and a winter of your life, different, you should look at, okay, how do I find meaning in that amount of life? And to me, the basis of ethical thought comes to the fact that you're here. You have a choice on how you're going to use that life. now if you could if I could tell you that you're actually going to live to be two thousand years old and you're not going to be old and decrepit, you're going to be able to see uh, be a watcher on the wall and see the countries rise and fall. You'll be able to see what's happened in a millennia. And that would probably lead you to a different way of living your life, too. You might not. Maybe you have multiple families, or do you want to go through that heartbreak? So I think constraint in time is what really brings up uh, an interesting question. I think you can have plenty of meaning. It's not that you create your own meaning. It's kind of built in. Like, and Peterson's answer to that is, well, people say there's no meaning. Well, have you ever suffered? And if you've been in immense suffering, it's not a question of there's no meaning. No, the meaning is the suffering. You can't deny it, whether it's physical pain or some psychic pain. If you're in the midst of some turmoil, you're not... It's it's not uh, like
0: you can go, oh, this means nothing, and the pain goes away. No, it's there. You know, and, and that goes back to kind of my side of the argument that that we started last night. It was finding meaning within that pain. Why are we the only beings on the earth that do that? Right, man. And this is something we did not talk about on air last night. I told you the story about the squirrel. Yeah. Have you ever seen a sad squirrel? Have you ever seen a squirrel take Xanax? No. Have you ever seen a squirrel or any animal go to a psychiatrist to tell them their problems because they don't have problems because what they're doing they're fulfilling an instinct it's more than an instinct God created us and I'm going back to my worldview now God created us for one sole purpose He created squirrels to go gather nuts eat most of them store some of them Mm -hmm and then leave some of them to grow more oak trees. And to make baby squirrels. And then exactly procreate make more squirrels. I mean that was And the, occasionally the, run into traffic. The, I mean and, even yeah. the first command to humankind was go fill the earth. Yeah, You know reproduce. I mean that that's our that, It's sex, a fun job up front. It is and God <laughs> ordained it and actually commanded, yeah. fill the earth. He did it twice. He did it at creation. He also did it when they came off the ark. Right. He said, go out, fill all the earth. And that's where the guys that got off the ark screwed up. They didn't fill all the earth. They congregated in one central spot, made a great big city. Hmm, where's all the problems? Let's see. The inner cities. Oh, the great big cities, because... Humans are not doing what God commanded them to do, fill all the earth. Right. Probably 80% of the earth is not filled with human beings because we are congregating so much. That's why animals are happy. Squirrels are happy because they climb down their tree every morning. They run out. They get a nut. They run up their tree. And as long as a dog doesn't catch them, they sit up in their tree and they eat their nut. And they're fulfilling the will of God. We were created to worship God. Mm. And you worship is not necessarily putting on nice clothes and going to a service sure. on Sunday morning. Right. Worship is fulfilling his commands. Well, and this is go why out, get a job, take care of your family, take care of your children, raise your children in the way they should go. There's so many different ways that we fulfill the will of God. Every single thing, as simple as something, you are fulfilling the will of God right now. Right. As a single man, you're up here doing a radio show, earning money so that you can pay your rent and take care of yourself. You're fulfilling the will of God, and mm-hmm. that gives you fulfillment. Right. It may not always give you pleasure. A lot of times, it doesn't give you pleasure. doesn't give you happiness. But it gives you a joy because when you get home at night and you lay down and you're tired as crap because you had to do 15 extra cuts or, you know, do the land show and, and do your show and Dan's and had to fill in for Baron whatever you had to do. When you get home and you lay down and you're completely exhausted, you go, I did what I was supposed to do yeah. because you're fulfilling your responsibilities at your job and you're getting... A, 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 you're getting a benefit from that, yeah. In our in our day, it's it's monetary, it's dollar bills. You get so many dollars a day for your job. I don't necessarily do it for the dollar. <laughs> well, but it, I, we it, know,
1: I know what you're saying. But here's what I would come to. We have to take a quick break here, and I want to give you that question I gave you at the end of the show last night. When we come back, It'll be a little more time. Uh, instead of 30 seconds. That wasn't fair. <laughs> it was um, not. But I look at, and I had this interesting, I came out as an atheist with Barron a few months ago. We mm-hmm. had a great discussion, and I appreciate people's response to that. There are people who genuinely are believers who say, I want to help you understand. I want to save you. And yeah. it wasn't in a condescending, you're so without way. It was like, I generally think this way. I want to talk to you about this. I'd appreciate that. There are people who said, I'm an atheist, and I feel like I can't ever have these conversations with people in Montgomery. I feel cloistered, like it's some secret they're keeping. And then there are people who called and said, I love my wife and kids. I go to service every Wednesday night. I do it because I love my wife and kids, but I look around at everybody else in that building, and I wonder how many of them don't believe a lick of it, but are doing it because it's socially right, it's personally right, and that's where I'm coming from.
0: After we didn't that have sh- that pressure down here in this area I'm, I'm, it's doubt. a huge pressure you have to be a Christian well, you don't have to you, be yeah well but you know what I'm saying oh yeah it's, but the pressures there it's unacceptable yeah. for you you don't have to go to church every Sunday you don't have to you belong have to, to a church it, but yeah. yeah I mean but,
1: oh yeah you know I mean, when people look at you funny I've had people look at me funny I'm sure people are listening right now going I don't know about that guy that's fine I get it Um... But where I'm coming from the next night, after talking to Barron and coming out as an atheist, I had on a guy named David Gornowski. He's a believer in Jesus, his Lord and Savior. He has an organization called A Neighbor's Choice. And he wanted to kind of reinvigorate people's imagination of what it means to imitate the life of Jesus, or at least take the lessons of Jesus, the ones he acted out and the lessons he spoke about, and how can we really make that work in today's society? And he said something funny to me. He said, Joey, you sound like a functional Christian. You know, there are things like atheist Jews who still go to synagogues. Like they go through the motions, they like the traditions, these sort of things. Now I'm not like an atheist Catholic. I don't go to mass every day, these sort of things. I don't go to mass every Sunday. I just I feel like that would be dishonest of me, right? um, To do that, I I don't see the why that would be worthwhile. Other than I will say, you do lose some opportunity for more community. That is true, Uh, but I said to him, "There's a lot I see within." The Christian story and within Christianity that is wise, and it's not just like the wisdom do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you know, the faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I mean, it's it's the parable of the talents. I mean, there's so many lessons out there, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's more to me, it's an amazing thought-provoking, grasping at the transcendent, at the divine story. And so I would say I can take the wisdom and all that, but I don't consider it literally true. I don't consider it, like, wrong. Like, this is bad for the world. But I also don't go, that is literally true.
0: That's where I kind of come down on it. I, I see what you're saying. And see, I can't I can't differentiate between the two. It's either right or wrong, and if it's not right, then go out and live the way you want to and rape, well, pillage, and take all you want. You know, you, you talked a lot last night, and I, this may have been off air as well, but you talked about it wasn't always like this. No, it wasn't always like this until the world as a whole was mostly christianized it wasn't women and children first until the world was christianized and even though you know I mean they couldn't vote and they were treated differently but they were taken care of here's the, here
1: but I want to make one suggestion is i think the modern world like the modern west is very Christian in its foundation. There's no denying that. People in this country, abolitionists, were Christian in their orientation. Christianized. But the the glib comeback is a lot of slave owners used the Bible to justify slavery. Exactly. They that's, did. That's but why I also, use that term. But something mixed during the High Renaissance, along with Christianity, people rediscovered Epicurus, Lucretius, Cicero. They rediscovered the Greek and Roman. And if you read the founders, they knew Christ, but they also knew those guys. And I think that combination has given us the modern world, but we got to hit a quick break. Be right back folks.
0: Joey Clark.
1: Welcome back. I, this track. Flower Power, Greta Van Fleet. Makes me feel
0: like I'm alive. They really are good. You no, know, there, there's few good new bands that come in and, and and they are, you know, halfway a cover type band, but but they're really good. They got some well, their and, tunes are real good. But
1: this song. You can tell this guy met somebody he thought was going to be his best friend, then he had sex, and it was this song. It's just the way this song goes, and Penn has a good rule. You can't pick what's your favorite album five years after you lost your virginity. It's a good (laughs) rule. Because everything comes alive. Oh, man. Now, I asked you last night, and uh, Rick, hold on for me on the phone for me. I appreciate the call, though, man. Um... I asked you last night, and it's a question I actually posed to a fire and brimstone preacher. And it was back when I was still, I would still consider myself a believer, if not a deist type. Mm -hmm. But he would come to the Auburn campus and to get attention, you know, you women are whore, sluts going to these dens of sin and these hypocrites and these fraternities. He'd do that sort of crap. And of course, crowds would get around him, people offended, upset, and argue and different denominations all around this one guy. I don't even know what denomination he was. Hey, was
0: probably like one of those non-denominational maybe. dudes. He had his
1: family there sitting next to him. He was, just, he was literally cursing people, not using curse words, but saying, you are not living up to this book. And he was literally smacking his Bible, thumping his Bible. The okay. Bible thumper gets thrown around a lot. This dude is literally thumping the Bible. I got in an argument with him. A bunch of people are surrounded with this. But I, didn't, I wasn't mad at him. I found this, this is interesting. Because there's a whole bunch of students yelling at him. And him really taking them to task. And like knowing the Bible much better than they did. And I asked him. Is the power and majesty of God limited to the words in that book. Even if you and I accept that it is revealed truth, it's the power and majesty of God
0: only contained in that book. No, I I don't think so because... That was his answer too. Even within that book, you can look at the Apostle Paul right, and he says he talks about how all creation cries out to God and that 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 the creation itself is a testimony to at least a God he says to God but to something you can, transcendent you can just say, yeah, yeah. It, that as you look up into the heavens, talking about looking in the sky, the moon Saturday night was the most magnificent thing Spires, we yeah. uh, we were cooking. I'm blessed where we live. In the moon, it rose Saturday night, and, and you can see the trees and the leaves are not even full on them, and, and you had the shadows coming through the huge 100-year-old oak trees, and and the moon up there, and there, I mean, not a cloud in the sky. I mean, there were millions of stars you could see, and you look up and go, really? Yeah, I'm this one little ant on this tiny little planet in the middle of one little itsy bitsy solar system in the middle of this entire universe. So everything cries out that there is a God, a Creator. So, well, and
1: this is what I wanted to follow. I don't, I don't
0: think You're... that that everything is contained. I think God; right. He can, He can. But I think you can go too far with that. I think you can yes. say, "Well, God talked to me, and God told me this I'm and sure. that." It's still got to be filtered. Anything my belief, and this is you yeah. asked me the question. This is my belief. Yeah. You can believe whatever you want to. But it has to be filtered through the Holy Scriptures. And if you come up with something that doesn't jive, if it pulls a string in there that retards any of the Scriptures, then you're listening to voices well, in your head. That le-
1: Fair enough. That leads me to the question of uh, what I asked you last night. Obviously, and we've already established, if you had a... a transcendent moment, or a moment where you seem to touch the divine. Um, you would you would filter it, as you just said, through the scriptures. Uh, but, can you think of a moment in your life when you weren't looking for it, you weren't thinking about the stuff we're talking about tonight, where it you were awestruck, wonder and awe-inspired, and you not- you were nowhere near a religious setting you were not not even thinking about it, but then it kind of swept over you.
0: you're like, "Wow I remember I was in my garden one afternoon and i've i've got i mean it's it's a decent size it's not huge but I was out there just working the garden and, and I I do and maybe this is something in my head, but I feel at one with with God and with the earth when I'm working my garden because I, I get down on my knees yeah. and I'm using my hands to kind of till the soil around. Yeah. I was planting and this little dog walked up. I mean ugly, <laughs> ugly ass little black, feisty half twice bred piece of dog walked up (laughs) and I'm sitting there and we get that from time to time out in the country because people just chunk dogs out and I looked at that little dog and I absolutely I felt the love of God in me I was like there is nothing desirable about this animal this is an ugly dog Terrible mutt. I'm talking beyond terrible mutt. I said, but there's nothing here to take care of her. And she just walked up and sat down right in front of me and just sat and looked at me. And I took that dog home. And I'm like, I can at least feed this dog. Mm -hmm. And I fed her. And after about a week, I was like, well, she's a pretty good dog. Yep. And after about two weeks, I was like, I kind of like this dog. We let her come into the house, and we fell in love with this little dog. And her, <laughs> her name was, what was her name? What was that? Uh, you remember that reality show, the girl that had the real orange skin? What was Snooky? Snooky. That's what the children named her was Snooki. <laughs> <laughs> and they had never seen the show. They just came up. Uh, Sydney came up with that. She was about three or four years old. And she was like, we'll name her Snooky." I was like, okay. And then we ended up finding that show. That's another story. But we kept the dog. Well, she ended up, she was pregnant when she came up. And she had these six puppies. And we raised the puppies and we gave most of them away and we kept. A couple of them and we still got one of her puppies right now snooky's no longer with us and that happened but but you remember snooky but it was just something about when that little dog come up it really was it was like me approaching god saying hey i'm a mutt there is nothing to me there's no reason for you to desire me but can i hang around will you will you it's like the uh the parable or well it's not a parable it's a story ...of the, the Gentile that came up to Christ and said... ...and Christ says, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs off the floor. You remember that? Yes. And and I was like, that's me. I'm that little ugly dog right there in the eyes of the creator of this universe. And I'm just like, you know, Lord, please... ...I mean, will you, if nothing else, just let me eat the crumbs off your table and he's like, no, nah, I'm not just going to let you eat the crumbs off your table. I'm going to make you a part of my house. I'm going to bring you into my home, and you're going to be one of my children. That's uh, all the preaching I'll do for you. Well, but That's probably the, the, at least one example. I've seen it here and there, but that's well, what I've, comes to mind. I've had um, moments like that.
1: Uh, and it almost feels like a touch with heaven on earth. Um, I have one. I actually wrote it down. It was a quiet afternoon spring break in Auburn. I was in the Arboretum. There weren't many people around because it's spring break. And I wrote, uh, Sitting upon a root, eyes to the sky, realizing my mind and heart and in harmony that all that is, was, will be the light moves upon the leaves and a voice trembles a melody there was a little hippie couple playing some music in the distance vibrating to pluck strings as the sun finds a new frame moving amongst the trees projecting the shadows of curled short hairs grown out of my skin stretched upon my forearm upon my body captured by eyes that belong to my mind's restless union with itself and the world so much movement I tried but it is impossible to sit still Existence flows and will continue even when you and I are gone, yet reality will not move on. For reality is a dance of existence to the music of consciousness, a union that rises to fall, witnessing the eternal and passing snapshots until the jig is up. But do not confuse something with nothing, they do not share share sides of the same coin. Nada is merely a fool's fallback, the dirty trick of the fallible fleeting mind fighting change and trying to tell existence that it must be still. What is impossible to sit still, the only possibility is movement, and for you and I this means we only choose how to move. Yet too many of us are trying to create the phenomenon of movement itself, trying to stop the heavens and the earth for the sake of certainty and security, soothing the savage beast of our fallibility, much like the peoples of old by placing it in many sacred forms upon a hilltop mountain. But I say come down from the mountain, sit upon a root, and witness the eternal all around and within as your music plays. I've experienced heavenly moments, and we even, very similar way, uh, experienced utter hells. And where I'm at is that though you can experience that heavenly moment, and it's right there in the poem I just read, you can also experience hell. I don't know if that means that after I die or whatever, that I'll find a heaven or find a hell afterwards. I just don't know. I'm not saying that it, it's not there, it maybe suggests it. But I'm content with saying eternity is now, and you find those moments that can sometimes be, oh, wow, I've lived this way for years, and I've been in hell. Or I've lived this way for years, whether it's a relationship with a dog or a child or a loved one, a parent or a, a romantic love. And it's like, even though when you are going through it for 10, 20 years, you look back, oh, I've been in heaven the mix that's my foundation I want to give a better answer tonight and the choice is are you willing to open your eyes when you open them what are you going to do in the face of what you see and I tend to want to say let's find the meaning in this it's right there it's not something I have to create it's there inherent Yeah. and uh, and also f- struggling with the suffering Um, Jordan Peterson he said several times that there's an old Jewish meditation on God the traditional attributes of God all power, omnipotent, omniscient and he said if there's a being like that what does he lack? limitation and this according to that one Jewish meditation what human beings were made and Christianity has answered that God became flesh. Um, and again, I don't know if I take the story literally, but it certainly is touching on something very important that we all experience. Hopefully. So thank you for being here tonight, eighty
0: four. I enjoyed it. I and too. you know, on on my side, I mean, as a believer, that's the the only thing that I would say is be willing to. Question even your own self and what you believe in. Don't believe it because your mama taught you that. Don't believe it because your daddy taught you that. Don't believe it because the preacher says that's so. Be willing to question the very existence of God. And I have been willing to do that. And I'm satisfied with my journey and my investigation. I believe it 100%.